it's been a lot of fun um, working with the uh, the amigos and and having the opportunity to tag team preach and and just be a part of of, of our church and and doing it together. Uh, we're going to be reading in uh, Matthew 12 today, but before we go any farther, I want to bring up this name, James T. Kirk. Huh? To boldly go where no man has gone before. I'm getting this box symbol back there. Two weeks ago, we were talking about living water flowing from our heart. And I spoke specifically out of John 7.38, which says, whoever believes in me, as the Scriptures have said, streams of living water will flow from him. So today, I think we're going to jump a little bit deeper into that. What does it look like, and how do I continue to move my life into a place where I have streams of living water actually flowing from me? And to do that, I think we have to tackle the heart. The heart is a mysterious place. Think about it. Here's some questions we can all ponder on. How come we can pick on our family all we want, but if someone else does, they're going to get it? How come the people who have seen our deepest passion are the bad drivers out there on the road? Huh? Riddle me that. How come a cup of mochas brings us more pleasure and joy than time spent in the Bible? How can the wrong person steal our heart at a glance and yet we fail to see the people closest to us who really care? How come we can cry during a Hallmark commercial and then change the channel and feed the children comes on? Ooh, I want to watch that. Makes me uncomfortable. How can we can see someone with real hurts and feel bad, but still walk away? Because the heart's a mysterious place. And the truth is, is when you get on the subject of the heart, people don't want to tread there. They don't want to talk about it. We don't want to talk about it. We don't even let ourselves tread on that subject. And a lot of the time, we don't even let God tread on that subject of our heart. And one of the things that I've noticed, and I'm sure most of us have noticed, is even people inside the church who who are strong Christians, even they can hurt just as much as people outside the church. David even said in Psalm 40.12, he said, For troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me, and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head, and my heart fails within me. And so when I think about that, you know what? I have hurt when I've had my own junk in my life. I've hurt when other people have hurt next to me. I've hurt with them. I've hurt when other people have hurt me. I've even hurt when I felt like the church wasn't meeting my needs. I hurt. What's interesting is we're all given the opportunity for Christ to make us whole, and most of us take it. But here's the catch, and this is why we're going to talk out of Matthew 12. Because sometimes we are Christians, because sometimes we're in the church, we find that we need to appear to be well. And so we end up faking it, and we don't even know it. 
was framing houses as a teenager for my dad. And, you know, he wanted production. So we always had big hammers. Minimum, 28-ounce hammer. You could drive a 16-penny nail with one whack. And everyone knows the rule of thumb to not hitting your thumb is to not stare at your thumb. Right? We've all done it. My brother and I were up on this roof. We're trying to secure these trusses. And he's holding the board. And I grab the nail. And I'm getting ready to drive it. And I look right at my thumb for some reason. I've driven thousands and thousands of nails. And I look right at my thumb and I went, POW! And it popped. The end of my thumb actually popped. I hit it so hard. My brother goes, Are you okay, man? And I'm like, no. Look at my. I go over to the side and I go, Hey, Dad. I think I was 16. I hit my thumb. He goes, Just a minute. He goes to the truck. He opens the door. He fishes around. And he comes over and he goes, Here. And he throws me a band aid. What am, what, am, what am I supposed to do with this? Chewing gum? What we try to do so often is we try to cover these wounds that we have in our hearts, these hurts, these aches, these pains, with a Band-Aid. Real life stuff with a Band-Aid. Because we want to appear to be well. And time and time again, our hearts take hits and rips through life. Things happen. And we have a wounded heart. And we never really address it. Our emphasis becomes on how our heart appears to be, not on the true state of the heart. So we're going to read in Matthew 12, 33-35. And I love this passage because Jesus is actually arguing with a bunch of Pharisees. He's, actually, he's not arguing, he's telling them how it is. He says to them, Make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. The Pharisees, as we all know, acted out of cover. They got their purpose in life by presenting themselves to have it all together. By knowing more than anyone else. By parading through the streets and looking holy. But Jesus threatened their way of life. In fact, Jesus completely cracked the facade that godliness comes from appearance. That godliness comes from works. And that threatened the Pharisees. Didn't Jesus even say in Matthew 23, you silly Pharisees, sillies, first clean the inside of the cup, then the outside will be clean too. He said that, right? So, I've been doing this brain exercise with myself. And I haven't been having too much fun with it because it's really making me think. If this passage says a tree is known by its fruit, and fruit ultimately is born from the heart, would I, would Jake, would Jake sit in the shade of Jake's tree? In other words, is the fruit my life is bearing nourishing? 
Is it sustaining? Is that's what's coming out of the depth of who I am? Because our heart bears the brunt of all of our emotion. And its condition affects what we are. Our heart, its condition, affects everything that we are. I was in high school. Parents were gone, so you know it's going to be good here. <clears throat> we're uh, four ravenous teenage boys raiding the refrigerator. And, you know, teenage boys are teenage boys. They say stuff. They do stuff. I was the younger one, so I always had stuff said to me that I didn't have a comeback for. It always drove me crazy. Well, I'm getting some chili out of the refrigerator and my older brother says something that just, it made me mad. So I took that Tupperware chili and I chucked it right at his face. Rah! And it went, dink, didn't break, lands on the floor, and chili goes everywhere. My brother goes, oh, you want some chili, huh? Grabs me by the back of my neck and starts smearing my face in the chili on the floor. My other two brothers are going, woo, this is awesome, yay. Oh, I want to pause on the story really quick. I never thanked my stepmother for having such clean floors because you could actually eat off of them. <laughs> so, there's, he's smearing my face in the chili. I'm completely humiliated on the inside and I have one of those blind moments of anger. You ever had one of those? He lets me go and I reach up into the knife drawer. I pull it open. I reach in and I pull out the salad tongs. And they start laughing even more. <laughs> Chili on my face. Salad tongs to a gunfight. It was embarrassing. It was one of those moments where you, you didn't feel good about who you were. You didn't feel good about the choices that you made. I just didn't feel good. The condition of our heart affects what we are. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart for it affects everything you do. I am what my heart is. I can hide it. I can cover it up. I can pretend things are okay. But ultimately, I still have to live with it. No matter what I do, I have to live with it. And when you think about our heart, our hearts are incredible. God was flawless when He created our hearts. Because our hearts can be moved. They can be softened. They can be encouraged and engaged. Our hearts can be taken without warning. Go, 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 go. They can be taken advantage of and they can be deceived. Our hearts can be sad and they can grieve and groan. They can be discontent and break. Our hearts can be hardened where we live in a state where we are angry. Our hearts can be unsatisfied and they can be left for dead. Our hearts can also be made whole. They can be a spring of life to others. Our hearts can grow. They can heal. They can come out of darkness. And our hearts can be in a place where streams of living water literally flow out from them. Every one of us has been given that opportunity by Jesus. David said in Psalm 16, 9 and 10, he says, Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One 
see your decay. Which means for us as Christians, no matter what we face, we can be 100% steadfast because God has our heart. And the neat thing about this is God does not let us ignore our heart condition. He provides us these opportunities in life where we're asked to engage it, where we're asked to look into what's going on so that He can continue to move us towards those places where living water is flowing out of our lives and it's flowing into others' lives around us. And so how do we do that? I think one of the things that we we need to, to develop a healthy practice of doing is dare to ask God to expose to you the state of your heart. And when I say dare, I mean dare. Like, really do it. God, will you show me the true state of my heart? Because if there's something hidden, if I'm missing something, if I need some healing, there's things that have happened years and years ago. Maybe I tucked it away. Will you expose to me the state of my heart? so that I could be whole. Uh, I was about 20 years old and I had this silly moment. I thought, I'm going to say this prayer. I prayed, God, will you start showing me things that break your heart? And I thought, this is great because God's going to start showing me like areas where I could help. He's going to start bringing people into my life that need Jesus. We'll talk about the ultimate backfire. Because even though a little bit of that stuff happened, you know what really started to happen? God started to show things to me in my own life that were breaking His heart. All of a sudden, I was faced with an opportunity to make choices. I was being engaged by the Holy Spirit to respond to Him. But I knew that that's something i got to do. Because... God was giving me that opportunity. Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward a man according to his conduct, according to what his deeds deserve. I, the Lord, search the heart. And so if we're going to have something done here, isn't the best place for us to go to the Lord? where He can really show us what needs to change, who we are, where we need to grow. God the Father is not in the band-aid business. And when He exposes our heart, it's for real. It's not to patch it. It's to fix it. It's to make it whole. I want to give this one little point here. We'll wind down. Our hearts... Recover from atrophy when we say yes to God's prompting. Our hearts get stronger. Our soul gets stronger when we say yes to God's prompting. No matter how big or small the prompting is, when we take that step, our heart beats stronger. Our soul, our purpose, that living water flows more. Big steps, little steps. A week ago Saturday... My daughter, 13 years old, sang the national anthem for the Rancher's Rodeo. I was so proud of her. This wasn't a mom and dad thing like, you need to do this. You need to do this. 
Six weeks prior, we saw the advertisement in the paper. Please come audition for the national anthem uh, for the rodeo. We looked at it and went, Denali, what do you think about that? She goes, I want to do it. Well, the silly girl went and auditioned. There were a bunch of adults and some singers, and she got one of them. Chris Cody called and he said, she's in. First one, Rancher's Rodeo. Couldn't believe it. Well, here's what happened for her. She was nervous for a month. For a month. Her first month of summer was like, oh, why, why did I do this? She was literally in anguish. I can't believe this. This is ridiculous. The day before, she was doing everything she could to get out of it. I think I've got tuberculosis. <sighs> what is tuberculosis, Denali? I don't know. Doc Holliday had it. So, the day of, she was a pale statue inside. She's like, i got to do this. We went to the Ranchers Rodeo. Some of you guys were there. It was awesome to see you guys there. Love the community. Uh, she sat in the front. I was like, is it time yet? Is it time yet? No, not yet. <laughs> she was a wreck. Came time for the national anthem. She got up there. Now, I'm her dad, so I have a biased opinion. It was flawless. There wasn't a nervous whisper in her voice. She nailed the national anthem in front of a packed stadium full of adults. And everyone was on, whoa! God bless America. She came up and was, oh, I did it. You didn't just do it, sweetie. You nailed it. It was awesome. But here's the process that she went through. I don't want to do this. I don't want to be in this position. Oh, I get, really? I got to step out of my comfort zone? And she did it. And guess what happened? She got stronger and more confident in who she was. And that's everything that happens to us when we take those little tiny steps towards responding to God. Our heart recovers from atrophy. It gets stronger. It beats with more purpose. There's more everything behind who we are as we say yes to those promptings. And yet when we ignore them, when we ignore God's prompting, our heart weakens. It gets hidden. Nothing happens. Nothing changes. Psalm 112.7 says, He will have no fear of bad news. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. And that's the beautiful opportunity that we have. That if we want to see those streams of living water flowing from us and flowing out of our lives, we start taking those steps, big or small, out of our comfort zone. We start taking those steps, big or small, to really ask God to engage who we are on the inside. Because when we're silly and we clean the inside of the cup, we're made beautiful on the outside. It just happens. God just does it. Um, Marty's going to close. We're going to close with a hymn here in just a minute. But I want to share this little story with you. We had these friends growing up. We went to church together. Uh, we went hunting together. We had Bible studies together and barbecues. And the dad was a great friend of my dad. 
But he was a very angry man. And so he was hard. And he was hard with his boys. Well, for whatever reason, we all grew up together. We were great friends. Uh, something happened around the end of high school where this man and his oldest son had a massive falling out. A rift so huge, they didn't speak for probably eight years. He went off to the Marines. Uh, Sergeant Master, complete stud, got married, had boys, and the dad never knew them, never met them. Well, in 2003, the youngest son was riding in a Jeep on the road in Gateway Canyon, and he, they had an accident, and he died. Naturally, we all go there, dear friends, lifelong friends, brothers. And my dad and I were there, and we didn't say a word to each other, but we both knew that reconciliation had to happen for them to heal, for life to actually move forward and, and, and be good again. Service, we go through it. At the end of the service, my good friend Jeremiah is standing there in his military class A's looking awesome. Couldn't be prouder of someone, what, what he'd become. His kids, his wife. And we watch the dad. And for the first time in eight years, they go up to each other Hi, Dad. Son. It's my wife. Our boys. Good to meet you. And it ended right there. Dad walked away. Son walked the other way. My dad and I didn't say anything to each other, but he called me not long after that on the phone. He said, hey, did you see what happened there? I said, yeah, I did. That's, that is the saddest thing I've ever seen. Life's too short. And then my dad said to me, he goes, you know, son, life is too short. It is too short to let anything ever come between us. It's too short to ever let anything affect who we are. You want to know what's really interesting about that statement? My dad and I have actually had opportunities where we could not talk to each other. We've had reasons to let things come between us. And thank you, Jesus, we didn't let that happen. We engaged issues and dealt with them so that we could move forward in life and be effective and, and, and have living water flow out of our lives. But how sad it is when we don't let God address those little areas or those big areas. And it's a reminder that we all got to have because the rest of my life, I'm going to have opportunities where I'm going to need God to expose to me the state of my heart. And I can either say yes to it or I can say no because it's uncomfortable. But I know what the alternative is and I don't want to say no. We're going to stand and we're going to close in, with this hymn, What a Friend We Have in Jesus.